Good evening. It's good to be here, isn't it? To come and worship our God. Let's just commit our time to God in prayer. Father God, we ask that as we, as we meet to worship and to praise you, we pray that we would be saved from any distractions that we may have. We pray the Holy Spirit would be amongst us, that he would be teaching us as Mark brings your word to us. And we pray that this time will be a time when we look back where we have met with you. Amen. Just a, a couple of notices before we start, and one is to say that we have refreshments afterwards. All are welcome to stay for refreshments. And uh, the men's Bible studies um, are this, this week on Wednesday. And if you are, aren't in a group and would like to be in a group, then please see either John Cowley or myself. Well, Mark is going to be speaking to us today on the theme of friendship. And today it's made for friendship. And all of our hymns today, all of our songs will have that theme of friendship within them, which I'm sure you will see. And the first one is King of Kings, Majesty. And despite Jesus and God being the King of Kings, Majesty, we've got him as a gentle saviour, as a closest friend. What a wonderful thing that is if we know Jesus as our saviour. Let's stand as the music starts.
So we're going to be doing a short series on friendship. And uh, I thought before I say anything or before we have any uh, readings, I want to ask you a few questions. Uh, I nearly got everyone a, a bit of paper and pen so that you could all jot down some notes. I didn't do that. But these aren't rhetorical questions. I'm asking these questions for you to think about, to get you thinking before I then start feeding you what I've got to say from uh, God's word. So have a think about these questions and, and actually try and think about them. So question number one, who are your friends? Who are your friends? Hopefully you've all got a few names in your mind at least. On a scale of 1 to 10, how important is friendship to you? On a scale of 1 to 10, how important is friendship to you? 10 being the most important. Next question. What role does friendship play in your life? What role does friendship play in your life? What sort of things strengthen friendships and what sort of things Uh, weaken or break up friendships. And I just want to encourage you to think, obviously there's some very obvious things, but maybe think about some subtle things as well. So what sort of things strengthen friendships and what sort of things break or weaken friendships? more. How important do you think our friendships are to God? How important do you think our friendships are to God? And then lastly, can we be friends with God? Can we be friends with God? Well, I'm not going to get you to shout out any of those answers, but hopefully it's got you thinking a little bit. You know, one of the things I've always thought I'd love to do, uh, well, in recent years anyway, although sadly it's impossible, is to travel back in time, about 100 years or so, and show someone the fact that pretty much all of us here today with the help of a pretty cheap mobile device, can chat to someone and see someone the other side of the world in real time and have a conversation with them. I'd love to just see the the kind of shock and wonder on the the person's face as you tell them that they're in New Zealand thousands of miles away and you're, you're chatting to them in real time. 
At the moment, my brother and his wife and family are um, on holiday, and they can take a photo, and within seconds, they can take a photo and have it sent to the other four people in our family group chat. It's not surprising us, is it? We know we can do that, but it's amazing, isn't it, just how quickly we can communicate with each other. If you see something funny or interesting on social media, you can share it on whatever app you're on. You can share it with potentially hundreds of friends, depending on how many friends you've got on that uh, app. We're connected to people far better than we've ever been in the history of of the world. And uh, there's so much that's good and useful in that. I think pretty much every single day I use some of these things to connect with people. And a lot of it is incredibly useful, and I'm very, very thankful for it. But it's interesting, isn't it, that the more digitally connected we are, it seems like the greater our loneliness grows. In our society, you might have heard people talk about the loneliness epidemic. John knew I was going to do a little series on friendship, and he passed me a a newspaper article from Evangelicals Now. And uh, it's a newspaper, uh, sorry, the article's titled Christian Community and Today's Rising Loneliness in the Digital Era. Let me just read a few little bits from it. It says, loneliness can be measured by the gulf between the degree of social interaction a person desires and the amount that they experience. We can be lonely in the midst of a crowd, or we can be alone but not feel lonely. And it says this, A surprising but consistent finding from many countries is that young people are the loneliest age group of all. Young people under 25 are actually more lonely as a group than the elderly. An indicator of how greatly loneliness has increased in a short period comes from a study by UK Onward. There was a threefold rise in the proportion of 18 to 34 year olds who said that they had only one close friend or none at all between 2011 and 2021. Now, 21% of this age group say that they have no more than one friend. 21% have no more than one friend, some of them not at all. In our UK government now, we have a minister for loneliness. In some countries in the world, places like Japan, you can rent a friend out. Prolonged uh, loneliness isn't just tough for people mentally. It's not just one of those things that, you know, we can feel sorry for them. It's it's a mental challenge. It actually can have severe physical impact on our bodies. It can actually make us quite ill. This is what J.C. Ryle said about friendship, some of you will have heard of him. This world is full of sorrow because it is full of sin. It is a dark place. It's a lonely place. It's a disappointing place. The brightest sunbeam in it is a friend. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. I like that. The brightest sunbeam in it is a friend. Friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. Maybe you've known that experience. Friendship makes a difference, doesn't it? It's good. It's a good thing. But how important is friendship to you? Is it, is it like the sort of the cherry on the top of life? 
or like a sort of a nice luxury that we get sometimes. C.S. Lewis says this, he says, For many modern people, friendship is something quite marginal, not a main course in life's banquet, a diversion, something that fills up the chinks of one's time. Well, is that what friendship is to you? Something that kind of fills up the gaps when you're not busy doing other things and suddenly actually you've got a little bit of spare time. Oh, I can fit a friend in here. How important does God see friendship? And do you think God will be pleased at the prospect of us spending at least four weeks or so thinking about friendship in our evening services when there's so many other things we could be thinking about? But the more I've thought about friendship, the more I've studied it, thought about what the Bible says, the more I've understood actually just how central it is to God's plans for us and the message that he's got for us. So often we don't value friendship nearly as highly as we should. We don't value it nearly as highly as God does. And in fact, friendship is a theme that just runs through the whole Bible. Do you remember John... Um, some of you went, you saw the Bible and it had the thread going through the whole thing. We've been thinking quite a lot about threads going through the whole Bible. Well, we're going to do that again tonight. But this time, the thread going through it is friendship. And I found it quite exciting just seeing that thread of friendship going through the Bible. And it is better than I've pictured it in the past. Timothy Keller, he died recently, but he was a pastor in New York and an author of many Christian books. He says, the entire history of redemption, so kind of the story told in the Bible, the entire history of redemption is, in a sense, it's a giant cosmic act of friendship. The entire history of redemption, in a sense, is a giant cosmic act of friendship. And so tonight, what I want to do briefly a bit later is just take you through that grand story of friendship in the Bible. We find friendship literally from the first page right until literally the last page. And I hope it will elevate our view of friendship and I hope it will motivate us as we then go on to think later on in the series about friendship. I hope it will motivate us to think about why we want to be good friends, why it's so important. I hope it will be good foundationally for us. And I do want to say as well, it's not massively practical tonight. It's more foundational But I really want this series to be practical. So as we go through it, I really want it to be a practical series that's really helpful for us as a church. But I hope that tonight will be helpful for us in in seeing the big picture, seeing why it matters, seeing why God cares so much about it. And uh, so I'm going to hand over to Martin now, who's going to read just a few key verses um, that will come up a bit later. So thanks, Martin. We've got four different um, parts of the Bible we're going to read. Um, Two in Genesis, one in Luke and one in the Gospel of John. But we're going to start with Genesis and chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 31. Genesis 1, verses 26 to 31. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing 
that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And then we move to Genesis 2, verses 15 through to 24. So verse 15 through to 24. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground... The Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then to the man, then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. If you turn with me to Luke, Luke chapter 7, we're going to read verses 28 to 34. So Luke chapter 7, verses 28 to 34. I tell you, and this is Jesus speaking, Among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptised with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptised by him. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. But John the Baptist has come eating 
no bread and drinking no wine and you say, he has a demon. The son of man has come eating and drinking and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And then our last reading is in Gospel of John and chapter 15. The Gospel of John and chapter 15, verses 12 to 17. John 15, verses 12 to 17. Again, Jesus is speaking. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. We're going to turn to our second song. Our second song, which is Let Love Be Found Among Us. A love from God alone. The hallmark of the children whom God delights to own. And let's stand with the music.
got time for prayer now, so if we bow our heads and our hearts as we come before our great God. Oh my God, we ask that again you'll quieten us as we come into your presence. Lord, we're amazed is that you can call us friends. We're amazed at the love that you had to your creation. Lord, even though it turned its back on you, even though it disobeyed you right at the very start, Lord, yet your love was stronger than the disobedience. Lord, we thank you that the Lord Jesus was willing to come and live on this earth, willing to leave the presence of his Father in heaven, willing to leave his glory, willing to leave the perfection and the peace and come and live in this sin-stained world. We thank you for that love that brought him down, that love to you as he obeyed you, Father God, but that love for us, his creation. And he was willing to come and bear that cost on the cross to die and take the punishment for all those who would come and ask for forgiveness, who would come and know him as their saviour, who would come and be his friend. Lord, we ask that if there are any here who do not know you, that you would be merciful and gracious to them. We pray that they would come to see you as a friend of sinners. We pray that they would come to know you as their saviour. Lord, we know one day you will be returning as the judge. Lord, but that time is not yet. We pray that you would be merciful and gracious to any who do not know you, so that before you return as a judge, Lord, you would be their advocate. You would be their friend. And on that day, Lord, we would all hear and be separated from those who do not know you and would come in to be with you and to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, we pray that each of us, that would be our focus in our lives as we look to that time when you return. Lord, we can, when we can be with you, and we can share that friendship with you. But we pray that our lives will be affected by that love to us. And those of us that know you, we pray that we would be filled with love one to another. We pray that we would be sharing and caring with each other's burdens, with each other's joys. Lord God, we pray that there would be that unity amongst us. And Lord God, as we have read that mankind was made into your image. And that, Lord, that doesn't just mean us here in this church. Lord, that means those in our community round about us. And we pray that we would want to reach out and, Lord, and speak to them about you and that your love would touch them. Lord, we thank you for the harvest service coming up this Sunday and we pray that you would be with us as we meet with the children, as we meet to thank you for your goodness to us uh, through another harvest season. Lord, we ask that if we have opportunity to ask parents of Sunday school children, ask our friends, Lord, that there would be a willingness to accept the invitation. We pray that there would be those who are preparing to hear your message, to hear your word. And we ask that they would come under your word and that you would change their lives. Lord God, we commit to you any who are struggling. Lord, we pray that they would be looking to you for help for comfort, for strength in whatever issue that they are facing. 
Lord, we pray for those who have recently gone to university. We ask you to be with Lydia and Beth who went yesterday. I ask you to help them to settle in their new surroundings and their new environments. But Lord, we pray that they would, they would know you. We pray that perhaps at university you would speak to Lydia. Lord, we pray that Beth would find a, a church. Lord, and continue her journey with you in Chichester. Lord, Father God, we pray that you would be with us day by day as we read your Bible. We pray that you would build us up and teach us as we learn from your word. We ask that you would make us to be more like you. And Lord, we pray that 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 would have an impact on those who are around about us. Lord, Father God, we are told in your word that we should pray for those in authority over us. Lord, we remember our government and we ask uh, that you would be with our, gu- our government. We pray that they would look to you for wisdom in the decisions and the things that they have to do. We ask that they would be there to govern us uh, for our good. Lord, we pray that you would help them and guide them in all the difficulties and the decisions uh, that they face. Lord God, we ask that uh, as we come to your word that you would be with Mark. We pray you'd help him as he speaks on this subject of friendship. We ask that we wouldn't see him, but that we would see you speaking to us. And may our lives be changed by what you have to tell us about friendship from your word. Amen. Our third third hymn is uh, a very well-known one. Um, Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds foreshadows that above. I believe this was written by a a minister that was leaving his congregation. And as his congregation came to say goodbye to him, he realised the love amongst them. He said, I can't go. I'm going to stay. And this was the hymn that he wrote. Let's stand as as John leads us in music.
So let's look at this grand story of friendship throughout the Bible. And uh, as Judy Andrews reminds us in The Sound of Music, uh, the beginning is a very good place to start. So Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And as we read through Genesis 1 and 2, we see God creating the earth and he steps back regularly and says, that is good. So he creates the light. He says, that is good. And then he creates land and water and he steps back and sees it and it's good. And there's vegetation and plants and he steps back and sees it and it's good. And there's animals and fish and all sorts. And he steps back and it's good. Everything is good in what he makes. But then suddenly we find something that's not good. We find a problem. And the problem is not sin. That comes in chapter 3, famous Genesis chapter 3. But it's not sin. We find something that's not good in this world that so far is perfect. This is uh, verse 18 of chapter 2. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. You see, everything else has been good. But this is not good. It's not good for man to be alone. God sees all the other animals that he's created. They're nice. Maybe some of you have got pets. Maybe quite a few. They're lovely to be around often, but they're not enough of a helper for Adam. Adam needs something more, a proper helper. So God makes Eve. And then how does God see it? We get it at the end of chapter 1. The timing's a bit funny, but at the end of chapter 1, it says God saw everything that he had made, including Adam and Eve. And behold, it was good. Well, behold, actually, it was very good. Behold, it was very good. So that's in the beginning. And we see in the beginning perfect friendship. You know, it's really important to remember that all of this happens before Genesis 3. All of this happens before sin enters and ruins the world. Friendship isn't just something we sort of need to get us through life because life's a bit tough and a bit rubbish at times. And therefore we need friends and God gives us friends. No, actually, even in a perfect world, we need friends. Friendship is important to us. And the reason we need it is because we're made in God's image. Maybe you picked that up in the reading. Genesis 1 verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now what's strange about that sentence? Some of you will know this well, but maybe if you don't, what's strange about this sentence? Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. What's strange about that? Well, this isn't like God's talking to himself, like he's some sort of carpenter just chattering away to himself, you know, what shall I make next? Okay, I'm going to make this. That's not what, what God's doing. He says, let us make man in our image. Do you see that? It's plural. You see, God is one God, but he's also what the Bible calls a trinity. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God. It's hard for us to get our heads around. 
But that's what the Bible teaches. And what that means is that within God himself, there is community. And within God himself, there is love. Just before uh, Jesus dies, he's praying to his father, that famous prayer. And he's remembering the love that his father had for him before the foundation of the world. Before the world was made, he thanks God for his love to him. It's even before the world was made, the Father was loving the Son. And there was love for the Holy Spirit as well. There was that community within God. 1 verse 27, So God created man in his own image, male and female, he created them. You see, we're designed to have community. We're not designed to be alone. Some of us uh, enjoy alone time. Maybe some of us more than others. don't know about you, but I find, especially if I've been with people, especially for a whole week, sometimes you get to the end and you get a bit peopled out, as I call it. And it's just nice not seeing anyone for a day. But, um, but if we live life as a hermit, and we never have contact with anyone in our day-to-day life, that's not how we're designed to be. We're, ha- we're designed to have interaction With people. Friendship and community is part of who we are because we're made in God's image. This is what Vaughan Roberts says in his book called True Friendship. He says, Friendship is not an optional extra, but is essential to our God given humanity. Living unfriendly and friendless lives is both the rejection of God's purpose for us as his image. And the dehumanising tragedy. Just as God is love, so he commands us to prioritise love in our lives by loving him and our neighbours. You see, we were made for friendship. We were made for friendship with God, but we were also made for friendship with others. And so we find ourselves in the Garden of Eden and everything is perfect. And you've got Adam and Eve, and you've got friendship with God. In fact, it talks about God walking in the garden. There's friendship with God, and there's perfect friendship with each other. No relationship issues between Adam and Eve. It's the most perfect friendship you can imagine. But what happens? Well, many of us know the story well. Satan sows the seed of distrust in their minds. And so quickly they doubt... God's goodness. They start questioning him. You know, maybe he's hiding something back from us. Maybe he doesn't want us being like him. And they take the fruit and eat it. And not only is the, the friendship with God wrecked, but also their friendship with each other as accusations start to fly between them. It wrecks their friendship. And so we see broken friendship. That's the next bit in this story. Broken friendship. See, they had this perfect friendship between them and God, between them and each other. And sin has broken it. It's broken those ties of friendship. Adam and Eve are now going to suffer relationship struggles, friendship struggles. And they're separated from the garden. They're barred from it, from God's presence. So, 
God makes this friendship and we break this friendship. But the story doesn't end there. Far from it. In fact, the rest of the story of the Bible is all about God doing everything he can to restore that friendship. To bring us back, to reconcile us back together as friends. One of the first things I do if I'm thinking about what the Bible says about a theme or a topic is I go on something like Bible Gateway Online or find a concordance and and find all the verses where it references that particular word and then have a look at all of them. Or words that are similar that might link in well with that theme or topic. And uh, one of the things that's particularly striking is that it talks about people being friends of God. One of them is Abraham. In Isaiah, God is talking about uh, Jacob and he he talks about how he's... um, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. God calls Abraham my friend. Now we spent last Sunday morning, if you were here, thinking all about Abraham and God's promises to him and how they were fulfilled uh, sort of through the Bible and eventually uh, will be completely fulfilled. Abraham popped up again this morning, didn't he, in both the children's talk and in John's message as well. And as Josh said this morning, Abraham didn't win the gold crown for sort of best behaviour. He wasn't perfect, not by any means whatsoever. He wasn't good enough. But what did we see this morning? What was the verse that Josh popped up? And Josh had no idea what I was doing tonight. Well, it was this, if you were here. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, James in the New Testament quotes this and he talks about scripture being fulfilled and he says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, but then he adds on a little bit. And he was called a friend of God. And he was called a friend of God. Well, where where do we see Abraham's belief that he's talked about here? Where do we see that belief in action? Well, we see it when God tells him to take his son to the altar and to kill his only son. And Abraham acts in obedience and faith as he obeys, even though it must have been incredibly confusing because God had told him he would have a son and then eventually, miraculously, he does have a son and now God says, kill him. And he must have been thinking, God, this isn't like you. How is this going to work? He must have been so confused and yet, he trusts God. He says, well, well, God can somehow make this work. Even if it's a right old mess, even if he dies, God can make this work. He'll bring him back to life or something. God's got this. And so, he demonstrates his friendship to God and trust in God. And God demonstrates his friendship to Abraham, not only in providing a ram at that point, but also thousands of years later, providing his own son to die on the altar or the cross so that Abraham could be made righteous. Do you remember the promises we looked at last week? We were thinking about God's people, God's place, God's presence. And do you remember at the end, in glory, right at the bottom, It was was all the brightest, if you remember. And it was a picture of God's people being perfectly with God, in God's presence, in uh, in glory with him. 
That's, that's Eden restored. It's like being back in the garden where everything is perfect. Through this one friend of God, Abraham, God is saying, through you, I'm going to make millions of friends. So God is eventually going to be the friend of millions because of this one friend, Abraham. See, at the moment in this story, the vast majority, even of God's people, are not friends with God. They can't come into his presence. What they need is a mediator. And after some years, we get a mediator, actually. We get Moses. Heard about Moses this morning, didn't we? Heard about him uh, being born. And we saw how, uh, despite Pharaoh's attempts to kill him, God actually used it to give him the best upbringing he could possibly have in the ancient world. Well, I won't give too much away about Moses. I don't want to spoil the series for you. But Moses meets with God as mediator between God and the people. He's the mediator. He's the one that meets God. And what do we see? It says, the Lord speaks to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. See that God speaks to Moses as a friend. When Moses died and Joshua takes over, this is what's written about Moses. There has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. It's a beautiful description of friendship. God knew Moses face to face. They were friends. Well, God gives Moses the law, Ten Commandments. But rather than the law helping people to become friends of God, actually, if anything, all it does is just highlights what terrible friends they are. And it still does the same for us today. You know, God's law, what it actually does is just highlights just how imperfect we are, just how much we fail, how terrible friends we are to God. What we need is a a better mediator and a more powerful friend than Moses. But as you go through the story, speeding up a little bit now, rather than things getting better, things get worse. I said about um, looking up all the the verses to do with friendship and and similar words. And some of the verses are quite shocking. So you get to uh, verses like in Jeremiah. And Jeremiah says, look, you can't trust a brother or a friend. Micah says, don't trust your neighbours. Don't put confidence in your friends. It's pretty shocking, isn't it? There are other similar verses. What's going on? And you see, when these were written, it was coming up to the time of exile, where God's people had completely rejected God. They'd forgotten about God. They didn't care about God. They rejected his friendship. And as a result of that, and as a consequence of everything that was happening because of that, their friendships were disintegrating too. So as their friendship with God just got worse and worse, or further and further away, so their friendships with each other just disintegrated. It's at this point, I think, in the Bible where friendship is most broken. But it's not long before the greatest friend bursts onto the scene. So we see the greatest friend, God himself, comes down to earth. And those around him whisper insults as Jesus lives, as he interacts with the different people. Those around him whisper insults as they see him mixing with the tax collectors and the uh, prostitutes and the outcasts. 
and they call him a friend of sinners. Jesus spends time with the ill, with the outcasts, with the people no one else wants to be with, the sinners. The sort of people that the religious leaders at the time looked at and thought, well, there's no way God's going to want to spend time with them. And yet those are exactly the sort of people that Jesus befriends when he's on earth. And isn't that good news? If you're feeling guilty tonight, if you feel like you're a sinner, you know you're a sinner, you know you're not right before God, then you are the sort of person that Jesus wants to befriend. Jesus is a friend of sinners, and if you are a sinner, Jesus wants to be your friend. I think it's a beautiful thing that Jesus is. It was meant as an insult, but what a beautiful thing it is. And then as well as Jesus being a good friend to so many as he goes around, we also see him demonstrating uh, good examples of, of close friendship with a few. Jesus' disciples stayed with him for three years. They spent time walking and talking with him, going wherever he went. They saw him in all sorts of different situations. At Lazarus' tomb, we see him weeping, and the other disciples saw him so upset as he's lost a close friend. Jesus demonstrates what it's like to be a good friend. But this is all building up to the greatest act of friendship the world has ever seen. This is what Jesus says in John 15, shortly before he dies. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. So this is the greatest love you could ever show is that someone lay down his life for his friends. Lay down his life for his friends. And then he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you, if you love one another as I have loved you. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, when he willingly went to the cross, he showed us the greatest act of friendship we could ever see. And on the cross, he experiences loneliness. He experiences being forsaken so that we can have that friendship, that reconciliation with God. So we can enjoy true friendship again. You know, millions of people around the world can now be called friends of God because of what Jesus did for us. This great act of friendship that he did for us now means that we can be called friends of God. Charles Spurgeon said this, In the heart of our Lord Jesus, there burns such a friendship towards us that all other forms of it are as dim candles to the sun. In the heart of our Lord Jesus, there burns such friendship towards us that all other forms of it are as dim candles to the sun. We see an incredible act of friendship. Jesus died for his friends. If you're a Christian tonight, he died for you as his friend. And then we see friendship restored. Friendship restored. Just briefly, to finish really, not only does he restore our our relationship with God, but he commands us then to love each other. He commands us to see the love that he's displayed for us and then to, with that same love, to then go out and love one another. To have that same friendship with others that he has shown to us. 
In other words, the standard of our friendship should be as self-sacrificial as his. And we too should love the unlovely, befriend the people that maybe others don't want to befriend. You know, the church should be a community of Christians that demonstrate this kind of friendship. Demonstrate the friendship that Jesus demonstrated to us. We should be a church that unites around Jesus' love and seeks to emulate that towards others. Towards others in the church, towards others in our community. And we get a bit of a sense of this in the New Testament. This is in Acts 4. It says, The full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. See that friendship, how they're sharing. No one's gathering in stuff for themselves. They're they're sharing it out, looking out for each other, self-sacrificially. We're to be more like that. Friendship like Jesus is, is the highest standard of friendship that we Christians should pursue because that is the, the friendship that God pursued us with. So we should pursue that level of friendship because God pursued us with that level of friendship. So as Christians... Because of what Jesus has done, we have that friendship with God restored. But our friendship with others should also flourish because of that. But that's not the end of the story. We look ahead to the new heavens and the new earth and we see Eden restored. When we will be fully back in God's presence. In Revelation you have that picture of God being in every part of of heaven as it were. He's, He's there. And it talks about this city filled with people. And it's not a city where you have to think about crime rates or falling out with people or or issues. It's a city filled with friends. A city filled with a community that is just full of love. And so friendship in the new heavens and the new earth will be fully restored friendship with God and fully restored friendship with those around us. So that's the great story of friendship in the Bible. I hope it's helped you to see the importance of friendship. Maybe it's elevated friendship in your eyes, made you realise how important it is in God's eyes. And I hope it's motivated you as well. So as we hear more in the coming weeks about friendship, as we think about maybe more some of the the practical aspects of friendship, I hope it's helped motivate us and, and got us thinking about why these things are important. These things are so integral to who God is and who we are. Let's pray. Father God, this world needs friendship. Lord, more and more, Lord, those around us are experiencing loneliness. And Lord, we know that because of sin, Lord, we have broken that friendship that we had with you, that perfect friendship, we've walked away from it. And yet, Lord, rather than walking away from us, Lord, you have pursued us. Lord, you have sent your Son to perform the greatest act of friendship the world has ever seen, to restore that friendship with us. 
And Lord, I pray that each one of us here may know that through Jesus we can be friends with you. Lord, Lord, it sounds almost blasphemous to say that we can be friends of you. And yeah, Lord, that's how you describe it. And so we stand in awe of that. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that we would be in awe of, of that friendship with you. And that our friendship with you would bless the friendship that we have with those around us. Lord, that there may be no one in this church, no one that comes here that is friendless. Lord, because we are seeking to be friends to everyone. Lord, I pray that as we do that, Lord, as it says in your word, that people may see that and know that it is your love. Lord, that they may know that we are your disciples by the the love and the friendship that we have for one another. So Lord, we thank you for this great story of friendship and for your great friendship to us. And Lord, I pray that as we uh, carry on in the series in future weeks, Lord, that this would be a, a great foundation for us and a great motivation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to sing now. Uh, it's a very short one. How good is the God we adore, our faithful, unchangeable friend. So when the music starts, let's stand and sing. thank you for your word. We pray that it would stay with us as we go away from this place. Lord, I pray that these things will impact our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.